it was a dream, right? And I was like, how am I going to make that part happen with mm-hmm. no money? Um, what's the conduit? How can I how can I bring my love and my passion for Uganda? Because we're originally from Uganda. Yeah. We're, um, to other people who might want to do this, want to see Uganda, but at the same time, marry that part with teaching photography to girls to change their lives. Amina Mohammed to me seems to be a juggernaut. When she sees a problem, she finds a solution, not letting anything get in her way. Amina has a number of projects and businesses on the go, but the main focus of our conversation is on the work she is doing through Triple F photo tours and cameras for girls. What I love about the work Amina is doing is that she has found a model that allows her to share her love for Uganda with other photographers as well at the same time giving back to the community by teaching women studying journalism in Uganda photography and giving them the tools of the trade. This conversation is a reminder that we all have the power to make a difference. Okay, cool. Yeah, so if you want to introduce yourself. Sure. Thanks, Bryce, for uh, and the Image Salon for this opportunity. My name is Amina Mohammed, and I am a married mother of one living in Newmarket, just north of Toronto. Uh, I have three different photography businesses because I'm crazy that way. I have uh, <laughs> Kid Awesome Photography, where I do school and family photography with a with a business partner, mm-hmm. um, and then I have Triple uh, F Photo Tours and Cameras for Girls, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then recently, because it wasn't enough I started Amina Mohammed photography where I do headshot branding and family photography okay yeah so we have a lot to get into uh, <laughs> but to start what originally drew you into photography um I got into photography like many other people when my dad gave me my first Kodak at, mm. I think it was 10 and it was uh, the best thing ever. I took photos of, you know, everything and anything. Um, and then I uh, went through high school volunteering photography. Never thought I could make it a career, though. I wish mm-hmm. in hindsight I had realized that. But I grew up in a kind of strict Muslim family where, you know, you those kind of um, pursuits were not, um, uh, you know, basically given bravado they it wasn't something that you went into mm-hmm. um it was either you know medicine or accounting or you know the profession safe stable but, things yeah but it wasn't who I was as a person so <laughs> when I graduated high school um I went into fashion design oh. and uh because my mom was a seamstress my dad's an accountant um but I just didn't yeah, veer towards that. So um, I went into fashion design, and uh, from there I entered uh, film and television in the wardrobe department. Cool. So I worked in wardrobe for a good three to four years. Uh, my last film was American Psycho, and then okay. I hurt my back and I couldn't walk for six months. It was mm. really bad. Um, so then I came out and I was like, "What the hell am I going to do now?" So I started uh, studying. I went back to school and I. Um, did film school and I did, um, I came out and started producing films, uh, you know, um, music videos, uh, documentary, that kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. I ended up in TV and all along I had my camera with me. I would be yeah. taking stills on set, not like as part of a stills photographer, but just always having the um, camera. 
But again, when my film career ended, I never said, oh, I, I'm going to go into photography. Because mm -hmm. I just, I think at that time, I lacked, I loved it so much, but I just didn't feel the confidence to okay. forward. Even though I had the skills, I loved it so much, it just never entered my mind. But and then when I finished uh, my career in film and television, which I miss to this date, but it's been over 10 years that I've been yeah. gone. Um, I needed something different. I was burnt out. Like yeah, it was like... 18 to 21 hour oh, days yeah. on average. And uh, I'd, I'd already had two back surgeries and I was kind of like at the end of my rope and I'd just gotten married and um, I was looking around at everybody and they're all divorced. I was like, that's not where I want to end up. Um, plus, we were we were going down the adoption road, mm -hmm. and it just those hours are not conducive to a family. No. So I uh, left, um, and then I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And I went in a complete different direction, and I went into home staging, and and then I went into mortgage brokering for five years. Yeah. And I had a very successful career. Um, but then one day I just woke up and I was like, this is not enough. I need that creative outlet again. Yeah. And I woke up in the middle of the night in August, 2017. And I woke up my husband, like literally it was two or three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, Hey, wake up. I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And he's like, Oh my God, here we go again. Cause I come up with crazy ideas mm -hmm. all the time. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 really, really. I'm going to go to Uganda and I'm going to teach, um, photography to girls. And uh, that's how I'm going to get back into photography. So just to backtrack a bit, yeah. when I was in film and television and I was producing documentaries, I um, had the opportunity to go to Uganda to film, direct, shoot my first documentary. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, did, I lacked, I ran out of money to finish it, but I got a seven minute promo. And it was then uh, when I saw the plight of girls, I saw how they are um, not given the same rights and privileges as boys. Mm -hmm. Education is not free. So if a family has the money, they're going to educate the boy over the girl. If there are no boys and they're only girls, half of the time the girls are married off very early mm -hmm. or they are relegated to taking care of the younger siblings or the household. So education is not always a right. Um, and I knew I wanted to make a change, but I just yeah. didn't know how at the time. So... Yeah. So then it's you coming back into photography started with like these trips and like started. It was a dream, right? And I was okay. like, how am I going to make that part happen with mm -hmm. no money? Um, what's the conduit? How can I how can I bring my love and my passion for Uganda? Because we're originally from Uganda. Yeah. Or, um, to other people who might want to do this, want to see Uganda. But at the same time, marry that part with teaching photography to girls to change their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where the photo tour um, idea came out of. Now, I didn't go into this and say, oh, other photo tour companies, what's happening? In the I was just like focused. I want to have this because I love travel. I want to make this happen. How am I going to make this happen? Mm -hmm. So I just um, I ignored everything that else was out there. And there probably at the time were a lot but I wasn't going to let it change me. Plus we had family in Uganda. We're also doing, um, not photo tours, but we're doing the Uganda uh, travel experience. Mm -hmm. So I had that to lean on, um, but it, they never ended up 
like we never ended up um, meeting in the middle to make it happen together. Mm-hmm. So I just used my other resources to make that happen. But I knew there had to be two parts to this to feed off one to feed off the other. So then what was, what was the other part that was able to? Well, so basically it's the, uh, the photo tour. Yep. If somebody buys into the tour and comes along for the ride, they not only get to, you know, experience the gorillas, the safaris, the community mm-hmm. gear, all those things you want to go and travel and see, but they get to participate in teaching photography to these girls. So a portion of their ticket or whatever they buy into goes into purchasing a camera, supporting the girls, and, you know, th- uh, with the year-long training that they get. Oh, wow. So I do three days in ground, like in country with these same people who travel with me um, and teaching the girls. There's 15 to 18 girls we teach. Mm-hmm. And I take the year leading up to that training to collect money, um, donations of cameras, uh, money, all that. And each girl gets a camera to keep. Three days we teach her the basics of how to um, to operate the camera how to all the settings that begin like the basics and then we start delving into because these girls specifically are learning journalism and uh they they need to learn story how to tell story with the camera as well so we that's the last um one and a half days we focus on that well and that's like the part of like for me uh the part of like the project and what you're doing that really stands out for me and it's like the part that like like really got me excited for it is that you're giving the tools to like allow people to tell their own stories instead of having like somebody from the outside coming in and like trying to capture that. And I think like that's, yeah, like incredible. And and it also sounds like what I'm really liking about this like narrative that you woke up one night and you're expired mm-hmm. is that it sounds like, uh, like it's a mission and it's and that's like really standing out for me today because I'm uh, was going through a podcast interview with Ashley Jones who does um, Love Not Lost and, and she was talking about this idea of like determination versus passion and often that like being passionate for something like isn't enough to like follow through with it till the end and I was wondering if you could like lend some thoughts on it because like I imagine to get this to the point where it is now and continuing to move that there was like a lot of barriers and challenges that absolutely like it was kind of naive when I look back that I thought that this is just going to me be me going with all these cameras teaching girls and going to change their lives no it doesn't unfold like that at the beginning I thought that if I just teach you know young girls how to operate a camera and then give them the tools that they'd be able to tell their own stories mm-hmm. we we bumped into challenges such as the girls like I mentioned weren't coming to school on a regular basis schools didn't have internet or electricity on a, yeah. on a continuing basis um, if a girl was given a camera but no end result on how to make that camera work for them ie get a job they're going to sell that camera for food because food comes first. Yeah. Poverty is high in Uganda, 65% unemployment rate. And after COVID, who God knows what's going to happen. Um, uh, but it's not enough just to have that idea or that passion. And it was my business partner. I call him my business partner, but basically Venix, um, uh, it runs the, the uh, tour part of our mm-hmm. company in Uganda. So he's a 
uh, previous environmental journalist who has access to all these amazing places because mm -hmm. he's in the know, he's got all the connections. And um, he's the one who said to me, you have to train girls who are learning journalism. And my first thought was like, why would I train girls who are learning journalism? They, like, they're general, they're, they're already in school. <laughs> he said, what you lack, uh, what you don't realize is that in Canada or in North America, they're given the tools of their job. They're given the computer. They're given, like if they're doing photojournalism yeah. or whatever, they're given the tools for their job. In Uganda, you have to have the tools for your job. So you might, so I'll give you the experience, uh, the example of Jonita. Mm -hmm. Jonita was in my first training. She had been, uh, we, did the, uh, we did the training in June um, and she had had the job for three or four months. Okay. She wasn't getting paid. She wasn't getting published, but she was basically on paper hired. Mm -hmm. So after we finished our three-day training, she went to show the camera to her editor and that she could use it and mm -hmm. to tell the stories and now she gets paid and published a minimum of four times a week oh wow she's supporting herself she's supporting her family and she's supporting her community because it's it's like a, it's sort of like that nucleus right it just yeah and so that's that's the results that i wanted from the beginning i just you know it's having those right team people in place to help you make that yeah. vision you by yourself well, especially so far away and yeah passion. Passion is great, but it's not enough. Yeah. And and I'm curious with that, because like I also kind of come from a background of um, like working with nonprofits. Like I went to school yeah. for arts and culture management. And, you know, like you often hear horror stories of like nonprofits where like maybe they get some of the wrong people on on the board or things like that. So like how do you know when you have that mission and that determination and you're like, this is what I'm going and like this is what I'm going to achieve but like making sure that you're like open to the right type of feedback and like blocking the wrong type of feedback because like oh absolutely yeah because yeah. I had my vision statement and I had my goals outlined of what I want to achieve with this mm -hmm. and I, I review it every month and they will change because like I have to be able to ebb and flow based on what's happening over there Mm -hmm. I can come in and say, oh, I'm going to train you this way and teach you this way. But if they're not understanding on their end or if they're not able to meet me halfway because maybe they they don't get terminology right away like yeah. me or they don't, I have to be able to work with them. So at the beginning, on the, in the first training, I did two days um, only because our timeline in Uganda was much shorter. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be able to melt that with the photo tour part of it on the second training we extended it to three days plus the online and then kelby okay. one came in to, to help us in the back end yeah. for extra training on editing and watch so that they can watch videos at their leisure as well so not just me but other resources yeah um and then assignments get put into it um they you know i say to the girls right off that if you're coming in for this training it's not only three days it's it's your it's it's something else you have to accept this like a job because yeah. if I'm putting all of my money time resources into training you you need to just give me time nothing else it doesn't <laughs> cost them a dime just yeah. time right um so 
and you're not always going to have 100% success with all the girls. For sure. But out of 32 girls to date that we've trained, uh, five now have full-time jobs. That's awesome. Um, and two, two more just graduated from journalism school and are now, well, with COVID, hopefully after it's over, we'll be able to find work. Yeah. But in the interim, they're keeping busy by doing their own photo blogs or journalism blogs so that they can get their voice trained and getting it out there. Yeah. So when you're on location and you're bringing in um, like a new set of like women and students to work with, like how do you know when somebody's like fully buying in to the process? I can usually tell, like usually after first day, um, they'll always, they'll all have that deer in the headlights look yeah. because I'm, I'm, you know, even though I'm from Uganda, I'm now Canadianized, right? So I yeah. went faster. I'm, and so I have to basically meet them where they are rather than them meet me where I am. So that took training on my part or learning on my part. How do I amend my style to meet them where they are? And mm -hmm. it, I had to really slow things down. And now that COVID's come and everybody's homebound, we're, re we're restarting the training again because okay. I have time, they have time. And all those core concepts that they may have not gotten, starting, I'm starting them again so that nice. they even you know, take photos in their house or in their garden or whatever it is, but they're going to get those core concepts cemented even more because it takes us sometimes a lot of time to learn a, a concept in photography, right? It's not like, Hey, you learned it and it's done. Like I'm constantly reviewing, learning, yeah. extending, improving. And so if I'm doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, that's open to them as well. Yeah, like there's definitely like a difference between like I guess like having the knowledge and like turning that like into experience, and it like really takes practice, that re reputation. Right? A lot yeah. Of practice. yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm interested in like having you because um, you kind of like touched on something which I know like a lot of photographers can struggle with, and I think um, like often like photographers almost have a habit of like using the camera as a shield and like not necessarily. Mm -hmm connecting but like what you said there is like you're on location and like kind of like having that self-awareness on like how you need to uh, adjust yourself so you're meeting people where they are Absolutely. so you can like have that connection so what's your advice on I guess doing that like establishing that connection and like what do you keep I'll give mind? you an example so when we go into um when we do the three-day training we work out of the slums yeah. And because the partner that I have there uh, lends us his space to work out of. Um, and uh, he um, he's he's a filmmaker himself. His name is Kenny Molende. Mm -hmm. I worked in the slums and people are proud, right? They're proud. And you have to realize that you are a guest in their home, in their village, in, the, in where they live. Mm -hmm. You're a visitor and you have to respect their traditions, their their way of life. You can't come in and just always have your camera up because it might be the most incredible shot that you've ever seen or the scene. You have to have respect because mm -hmm. they may not be proud of how they're living because we in the West have always depicted Africa, for instance, not in a, in a positive light, right? So they're very cognizant of that. And so before I pick up my camera, I will 
always make eye contact and always ask for permission. Um, and I might not know the language because there's 54 different languages and 54 different <laughs> tribes and, you know, but I rely on my people in Uganda to ask for me, can mm -hmm. she take a picture? And if it's a no, it's a no, then I graciously thank them and walk away, right? More than often, they'll say yes, absolutely, because it's how you approach it and how mm -hmm. you have respect for them. Because life in, in our eyes um, is very different to, in their eyes, right? So I, I think that goes not just for Uganda, but anywhere you travel. It's that uh, having respect for, you know, um, what you do as a photographer versus how you, how you portray them in the light they want to be portrayed in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's just like, there's a, like, there's a part there of just like connecting, like connecting first as a, like a human, like allows you absolutely to like have people open up and like, well, I think it allows you greater access. Yeah. Right. Like I was there once, uh, not on our, I can't remember. It was my last trip or the trip before. And, um, I saw this amazing, uh, like image which i really wanted to capture it was their way of life um because they don't have refrigerators at home it's their open market they sell everything like anything and everything you can headless chickens are walking around everything right and saw this amazing shot of they had just butchered a bunch of chickens and they were just hanging outside the car uh trunk and mm -hmm. blood was streaming down it was just brilliant and I really wanted the shot but I asked the guy and he's like he picks up his machete like he was right and I was like I haven't picked up my camera I just want I just asked and he's like already chasing me down the road with the machete and I'm like get in the car let's go like I don't need it that bad but yeah you got to be so careful about the, the images that you want versus what you can you know and it's that it's that sense of uh it's it's being responsible mm -hmm. and like yeah because like obviously like you're having like a positive impact and it's like incredible that like people are like, actually getting like jobs from this and are able to start supporting their families and that rippling like effect that you've touched on it's huge but I'm also like curious I'm like what's been the impact on you like as a person oh, like pursuing this project um we came uh from Uganda as refugees in 72 um okay. many of your listeners won't remember or even know about Idi Amin was the president of the time but a real madman um and we I was three but I wasn't born there my parents were born there my sister was born there I was born in England mm -hmm. but I always counted myself as a Ugandan if you ask me as a kid where are you from Uganda oh are you British are you no I'm Ugandan no but you're born in Britain no I'm still Ugandan right because it was just yeah. who I associated with and ha being able to go back in 2007 for the first time mm. and really see the roots um every time i go back it's that part of me that comes back alive again and mm -hmm. when i talk about uganda my face lights up and i just it's just who i who i associate with i love everything about it if i could move back tomorrow i'd, I'd move back <laughs> it's um it's just and i just feel like they're my people if that mm -hmm. makes sense. No, 100%. But like, what is it about it specifically that like when you 
and go back like because it really sounds like when you go back it sounds like you're heading back home it does and it's it's the people are just so gracious they have nothing because i said poverty is high but they mm-hmm. will give you the shirt off their back even though they've got nothing and they will always thank you for coming they will always be gracious and kind and it's just the spirit of the people and you know you'll find people like in Canada everywhere you go mm-hmm. but it's just a different feeling for me and I think it's just connecting my past to my present when I'm there it just all comes together that's the best way I can kind of explain it yeah yeah there seems like there's like something about that like even if like I don't necessarily want to like make the comparison but like even with like what's going on right like now across the world but like in like Canada it seems like you're sharing in this crisis and it's like bringing people closer together and you're starting to like form these senses of community that you know weren't necessarily there Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. yep I feel in many ways more connected now than I have ever before. And I know some of these people that I've been, you know, conversing with for a long time, but when you're forced into this kind of, um, I guess, where everybody at collective feeling, right. Mm -hmm. It's becomes more, um, I don't know if it's easier to share, easier to open up less judgmental, less fear of what are they going to think? What are they going to say? I don't know if if that's what it's all about, but I just, um, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. That that's what happens to me every time I go to Uganda. I feel like I belong. Mm -hmm. Like there's no question. I just feel, and they'll always call me Muzungu, which means white man or foreigner. (laughs) So I'll just say, yeah, but I'm the Ugandan Muzungu, right? (laughs) But yeah. I'm immediately Muzungu, so, or Mama. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what are you hoping to do with, like, the project and the initiative, like, moving forward, obviously, once, like, the so, COVID So, um, our there? future goal, our, well, our next trip was slated for this August. Mm-hmm. So, um, it most probably will not happen, but mm-hmm. I'm still hopeful. But if it doesn't, then we'll push it we'll keep on pushing it like the next time will be October most probably. Um, And what we've done is because our themes are um, gender equality, female empowerment, Mm -hmm. I want to also not just provide the three days of training and the year long online training. I want these girls to have concrete, um, uh, what do you call it, portfolio that they can, when they're knocking on doors for jobs, they have something in hand mm-hmm. that comes directly from the training. So the initial 15 to 18 girls will do the training with me. From that, I will pick three to five girls who show the most promise. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the photo tour, after we've done the safari, after we've done the gorillas, all that stuff, because I want to be able to show my travelers from Canada and the US all of this. Yeah they will join me to work with a local NGO that has Mm. the same themes. So we found uh, the NGO that we're going to work with in August. And what they get is all the images that we take as a group to help them empower, to to spread their message. And in turn, these girls get to build a portfolio of work. So then they will with a 
journalistic piece that's ready to publish along with images so that when they go knocking on doors at newspapers, they have something to show instead of saying, oh, I know how to do this and I know how to do this. They can show something concrete. So it, it fits two ways, right? The, the NGO gets something, the girls get something, and it's, and it's more evidence of what we can. Yeah. Well, like, that's just, yeah, I love that, because it's like, like, everything you're doing seems to be focused on this, like, idea of forming connections, you know, and like, and like, often, like, nonprofits have a really hard time on getting that type of material together, and like, getting their messaging out, and like, I hate the word, but like <laughs> finding that synergy that you're able to like support like one yeah. another. Um, yeah, and I think it just evolves because in the beginning it was about, okay, let's train the girls. Let's mm-hmm. write Then the second one was let's train the girls and give them more because they're gonna need more training. Now the now it reiterates itself again by sort of bringing it all together. They get the training excuse me, they get the online to keep on going with their skill set. And then they get absolute something absolute and concrete so that they can, you know, have a fighting well, chance for a job. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a very male dominated society, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's, and I think like, that's what makes it stand out then from like a lot of like other initiatives I've heard. It's like, you're not just going in and like training people and um, taking out it sounds like you really have put a lot of thought into like how do we develop the skill sets and like what are the things that we can be doing to help establish as much as an environment where they can be successful mm-hmm. like what are like the follow-up supports that we can be mm-hmm. putting into place yeah and then future um, will be that those girls who carry forward who, who are successful will become mentors to the next group that comes up right because if they all can support each other that's empowerment right there yeah and I think it's just like it's just so typical for people to want to change the world right like I think like every person like when they're young at some point they're like oh I'm gonna change the world I'm gonna have such an impact and and not and we often forget that these big changes that we want like often start with just a few people and it's just like that like just what you're doing like if you're giving somebody the skill set and like establishing them in the career so that they're in a position where they're able to help bring up like other young emerging photographers yeah Yeah, especially in third world right because you don't see it very often and Mm -hmm. i want that sense of community that they can always rely on because it's lonely yeah and when you're trying to get to your spot in the world and you have nobody to to look towards that came before you or nobody behind you that's coming up, how can you get there? It takes yeah. community. So that's what I'm hoping that if I'm not there, I can't be there 24-7 throughout no. the year. I can be there online or on email or whatever. But if they have each other, then they can support each other. Like, how do you go about forming that, like, community or, like, stewarding it? Because, like, what you were saying there on, like, yeah, like, it is, like, can be lonely if you're, like, the only person who's there and going. And, like, without that type of community to lean on for support. 
supports? Like, what are the type of initiatives that you're kind of getting into place so that, yeah, let's start with like, so that the girls that you're training, like have that community. Um, well, it starts by making sure I get the right girls to, mm -hmm. to come into the course, first of all. So I, I, they all have to apply. Um, I have put together sort of a questionnaire um, interview sort of format uh, because it, how they answer those questions will tell me their level of commitment mm -hmm. and how successful they're going to be. Because if I just open it to any girl studying journalism, they're not going to necessarily come in for the right reason because they're all mm. getting a free camera. It might that might be more important to them than actually what they're going to be able to do with it. Um, and then the other part of it is we do um, because it costs them a lot to be online in mm -hmm. Uganda. Uh, so we do WhatsApp and we do Facebook groups. And if they can't be on, I will record my training or video chat, whatever it is, like a Zoom or a Facebook thing, and leave it for them to do it on their own time when they have money enough to, to get online. Because, mm. again, it's very expensive. Um, but part of that uh, mandate of joining is how committed are they to supporting the next girl who's yeah. coming up? How, how do they propose making this even better than it is right now? Or what suggestions can they, um, like I'm totally open to suggestions on how to make anything better because you can, you can stay in your own little box and think how you're doing things are, is the best way and you'll never grow and you'll never make it work for everybody involved. Or you can open it up and say, what's not working for you? What's working? How can I do this better? How can I meet you where you're at to give you what you need? How can I help you reach your goals? What is it? Do I, you know, do it? Is it guest speakers? Is it, is it the, you know, the type of training I'm mm -hmm. doing, the videos, all those things. So it's always a, it's, it's evolving as we go yeah. because I, it's, it's me learning, like I said before, how to meet them where they are where they're at to take them where they want to go yeah and like have you always been open to like that type of feedback and to like evolve and adjust oh yeah absolutely because like I said I'm the crazy idea girl yeah so, <laughs> to my husband I'll say I got this idea and he'll be like yeah but maybe I need to think about it this way and I'm like oh yeah I didn't think about that right and then I go back and I yeah you know, work it a little bit more and then it's either you know, like an idea that you can push forward or it was just one of those brain farts that will go nowhere. Yeah. It has to start somewhere. Um, so I do want to shift the gears a little bit before sure. I do. Um, so like how can people get involved and like help support what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. There? So I've been very fortunate um, to have a lot of support from people such as yourselves. Um, people have donated through GoFundMe right now or have been sending me uh, their used cameras, new cameras, point and shoots, DSLRs, whatever they have and they're not using anymore. And what I do on my end is I've, I've chosen to work with specific camera for the girls. Number one, because it's light and easy to carry. Mm -hmm. They're small enough and they pack a punch and they're easy to learn with, but mm -hmm. they will allow them to grow. So I'm using the Canon G series. Okay. Now I'm a Fuji camera girl myself. Yeah. 
And I got a lot of flack last year because Fuji Love did an article on me and I talked about how I use the Fuji, but I train on the Canon series and everybody gave me flack. And I was like, well, when you give me lots of money to buy a Fuji girl, camera for each girl, I'll use Fuji. Until mm -hmm. then, I'm going to use what I can afford. Mm -hmm. So um, with the cameras that I get from people, various different types of cameras, I have a really good connect here in Newmarket who will take from me those cameras, sell them, and then buy me what I need. Oh, that's so that awesome. Traveling to Uganda, it's easy to carry 15 to 18 cameras, and they're all the same, so I'm not teaching different cameras to different girls, right? Um, and then, uh, what was the question? I got off on a tangent again, sorry. Oh, how, oh, how can people help? get support? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't know, right. but I like the direction uh, we're going. So, yeah, I'll send you the link. Yeah, I'm okay. doing GoFundMe right now. Uh, our goal is to do a charity application okay. uh, with CRA, but it's a long process. Yeah. So we're working on that right now. Um, and until that comes in, then GoFundMe is the way right now. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, but like photographers are also able to like donate Gear. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And if they want to come on the tour, we're all for it. I only offer seven spots okay. each year uh, on each tour because I want to keep it small. Yeah. And I don't want to, and because of the training space that we have, it's already packed to have, like, if I had so many other people come in, it'll be very hard to train and accommodate everybody. Mm -hmm. And seven is perfect because there's only enough, eight of us can fit into a, like two vehicles. Um, yeah. open vehicles for safari and gorillas and all that stuff okay. um but uh you know it, it also is enough that with 15 girls in the room seven to eight photographers we each pair off two girls with one photographer so mm -hmm. that they're getting that one-on-one -on -one kind of experience nice. right it, the goal is to not only change the lives of these girls, but to change the lives of the people who come along because they're going to see a part of traveling that they don't get to see on any other tour. Mm -hmm. right? You don't get to meet the locals like you do here. You don't get to see how your impact makes a huge difference. Yeah. Okay, now to shift the gears because I think you yeah. got some good information that could help a lot of people. Um, so when like when you're starting like an initiative like this, or you like, you have an idea for a project, actually let's start there. Like, sure. where do you find your ideas coming from and like, how do you generate them? Uh, like I said, I'm crazy, but uh, <laughs> other than that, um, I, I, for this one, it was literally, I think, uh, it was just another one of those, can I make something happen? Can yeah. I make change? Now, I will say that my one of my biggest inspirations is my sister. Mm -hmm. um, her name's Farah. And she um, started an organization years ago called Girls 20. Okay. And that was super successful where she would go to, she'd bring 20 girls from developing and underdeveloped nations once a year, have them... Uh, work on economic initiatives um, and for a week and then she would take the best of those and go and present them at the G8. So oh, wow. she did that for many years all over the world and then recently she was CEO for Malala Fund. Um, so she has done amazing mm -hmm. things 
um, and uh, I hate saying it, but she is younger. <laughs> but yeah, she inspires me to to be to give back to do my own part. Yeah. And um, we grew up uh, with parents who, when we came to Canada, we had nothing. Like I'm, we we lived in Red Cross in in Montreal, mm-hmm. like in a shelter. And until uh, we found footing in St. Catharines, we had nothing. But my parents always taught us to give back because when you give back, you make the world a better place. And I'm a Rotary Club member as well, which I'm nice. really proud of. And so that's just always been a part of who I am. Um, so when I was thinking about how to make a difference in Uganda and how I I knew that if I wanted to get back into photography, it couldn't just be picking up a camera and taking portraits mm-hmm. or doing weddings or doing whatever it is. It had to be something that would make a difference. Yeah. So that's where that's where it started. And then from there, the idea kind of germinated. And then once the idea was in my head, I was like 24-7 working on it until it was like done. And so I, I came up with the idea August 2017 and my first tour was August 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so in that time, I put all the, like, I fundraised, I collected cameras and I left my job, very successful <laughs> job, a mortgage broker. And my husband's like, oh my God, what are we going to do? But, you know. Not a vision, um, but I, I did it, and I wasn't gonna let anybody's nays or yays stop me. And I think that's part of it having belief in yourself. And if you want something bad enough, don't let anybody stop you, mm-hmm. just go for it. Because the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't happen, but you had a great time trying to do it in the way, yeah. Right? And I think like- you might find something along that path that was your true meaning, yeah. Yeah, I think like that's a really good point and that's and like that's always good advice but like do you have any tips for those days that you're like are experiencing a little bit of that self-doubt or that maybe that was every day yeah (laughs) (laughs) so then it still comes trust me it still comes but I just keep on looking at my goal sheet mm-hmm. and my, my things that I outline and saying, okay, this is where I want to be. I, I kind of visualize, I did that visualization. What do I want it to look like? And what are the steps that I'm going to have to do to, to get that visualization to come true? Mm. So, that- so it, wasn't the, it wasn't the nitty gritty about where I'm going to be training them or what that training space is going to be like. It was me visualizing standing in front of a group of girls in a room um, training them. Mm-hmm. And the room looked completely different because my modern sensibilities of where I live came into play. So very different from what we actually had, which was a very rudimentary, you know, concrete um, classroom with... Um, no flush toilets but uh you know the hole in the ground and i was mm-hmm. like oh my god but you know you adapt to where you are right yeah. um and uh i i just kept on putting that forward and i kept on saying this is what has to be and so, so is that kind of your process is you like you'll have that like this is what it sounded like to me is like you have that grand vision and like you can picture that and then are you almost like reverse engineering it and like putting yeah, absolutely. Like listing out the yeah. like step by step yeah 
and I'm a and I love graphs and I love spreadsheets because okay. that's the geek in me from my my accounting side of my dad. Um, so I will literally build a spreadsheet with all the components and then kind of draw it down or even like a chart. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is the master plan and then what are all the things that have to happen okay. to make it? So yeah, basically reverse engineering, but in a way that I can see it spreadsheet it do whatever the hell i need to do so i can kind of and right now i'm working on another project called like i can't tell you what it's called but anyways it's a side project um but i've started reverse engineering that because i just finalized a trademark for something else and i want to yeah i think i'm a serial entrepreneur yeah that's what it sounds like Those ideas will just sit on the shelf for years and mm-hmm. sometimes I can s- sort of see the path towards them. But there's like, I love that kind of process. Well, and like, this is what I struggle with and I'm trying to, and maybe you have advice on how I can correct it is like, I'll get that excitement for an idea and then it's like, <laughs> you grab the ball and just start sprinting off in that direction as hard as you can. And then once that initial burst of passion wears off, then it's like, well, now what? Like, I don't know like the steps and now I'm like up to my like neck and work and I'm feeling overwhelmed and you know, you don't have the blueprint. Keep a journal, keep a journal um, and write down your, master plan on uh-huh. on page one right and then underneath that i write down what's my overarching goal of the month or the week or the whatever it mm-hmm. is i'm going to start it out and then if i reach that then i go on to the next one i try not to jump too far ahead because mm-hmm. i used to do that and then i'd be like oh my god it's so overwhelming forget it i'll do it another day and then i never pick it up again mm-hmm. so then i i learned to chunk it down so pieces and as soon as I can achieve one piece and see that there's something there to back up my overarching goal, then I feel that momentum um, that I can carry on to keep on going. Yeah. But now, how do you hold yourself accountable to that? Because like once, like once you're at this point, there's like enough things in motion and people are relying on you. But like when a project's just starting and it's like just an idea and people are like, oh you'd be crazy like that's not gonna happen is like how do you hold yourself accountable when you don't have a boss so it's like you are hitting those goals and then continuing to i put it in my schedule okay like i really build it into my schedule but if i can't get to it or something happens um i forgive myself and i push that to another day but i make sure that it's in the schedule because mm-hmm. life happens right shit happens yeah. and you might have all good intentions to get something done for your goal that day but it didn't go as planned so learning how to pivot is my new favorite word Ayo. learning how to pivot and um you know pick it up next time and just say okay i didn't get to it today but i'll get to it tomorrow mm-hmm. or the next day or whatever it is that i have time and just making sure you have it in your schedule so that you can actually get to it because if it's not in your if it's not in my schedule it's not in my bandwidth i it'll just go like you know i'll forget it and then i'll be like damn it i never got that done yeah now i build everything i ever want to do into a master list and then from there i break it down into my calendar and then i make sure that i sit and make sure that i get it done and if i didn't get what i thought i was going to get done then i kind of 
go to my master journal and say, what was holding me back? What is it that I was trying to do? And why couldn't I get to it? Oh. Why was it not working? What are the pieces that are not falling into place to make that happen? Yeah. Do I have to go further back and look at it and say, did I forget something along the way that was crucial? And then that helps me to kind of build that timeline. Mm. I like that. That's, that's a bit of a eureka it's, moment. It's working <laughs> for me. Yeah. And yeah, because I, I have like, honestly, I have like, like a stack of ideas. Mm -hmm. Like I love coming up with ideas and not all of them are like, you know, great. Some of them are like, I look back in a month and I'm like, holy shit, what the hell was I thinking? This is so stupid. And some of them are like, oh, wait a second. I can look at it this way. Right? Yeah. But having a good, um, I think having a good sounding board, somebody who's not going to turn you off against yourself, mm. somebody who might not agree with your idea, but who's still going to be supportive at the end of the day is what you need. Because um, I used to share my ideas with somebody um, and they would always discount them. And one day I was like, either I'm like, you know, crazier than I think I am. <laughs> or they're not the right person to be sharing with. And it was, they were not the right person to be sharing with because they were always negative. And you need somebody who can kind of be on the same wavelength, somebody who's maybe not as idea driven or mm -hmm. creative driven as you, but can see uh, that you have that and can support you in, in those visions. Well, I think- Does that make sense kind of? Yeah, 100%. And I think especially in the early, stages like I think it's uh, like and especially if somebody hasn't necessarily built up the confidence yet that they're able to take an idea and turn it into a reality I think it's like often people share with the wrong people and an idea gets shot down before it's even that's it yeah and your confidence is everything at the beginning because you're in it uh, alone right and yeah. you're head is in there like 24 seven and all you think about it and you're obsessing about it and you're and you're like oh my god how am I gonna make this dude and you forget about everything else yeah because you're so driven and then all it takes is one person to to dump on you and you're done yeah so I stopped doing that long time ago um and uh I used to actually um uh, when I had more time attend um startups like startup meetings okay yeah because uh, the other thing that I'm working on is a tech-driven mm -hmm. uh, idea. Um, but even though I wasn't necessarily getting to the point where I had the money or to do it, it taught me so much about how people with ideas can get them from idea to, uh, from ideation to kind of actual product. Mm -hmm. So that whole process was very different, like very important for me to learn because I, when I was doing this, I was also trying to develop that other idea. I put that on the back burner because this one had more legs and yeah. I could get it faster. And it wasn't as expensive to get it done like a $100,000 app. Yeah. Um, and now looking back, it's not going to turn into a $100,000 app. So I'm, I'm pivoting on that one as well, yeah. right? So it's sort of like um, surrounding yourself with the right people who have that same kind of ideation ability to help you get to your end goal mm -hmm. and it's the skills that you learn along the way so and and montreal's got a great startup community oh montreal's yeah montreal's cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Toronto, so yeah <laughs> um we are coming up on our time but there's a couple like last little things i sure. want to 
touch on. Uh, so like I've always struggled in the past, and like even to today, like this is constantly a thing. Like um, Elise is constantly um, will let me know when I'm getting a little too ahead of myself. It's like, yes, Bryce, that's a good idea, but um, make sure you're finishing like these ideas that you already have in motion. I'm like, oh, okay. So like yeah. how like how do you do that? Because it's like having a new idea is very exciting. Like it's like a it's almost like the early stages like of a romance. Like it's you know like it's very sparky, and I think it's like once that initial excitement wears off, like there's kind of a dip, and it just becomes work. And like when you're in that period, and a, a new idea comes along, like it's like you feel that pull to jump so it's like yeah 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 how do you stay committed to the work like to moving through that dev and then also like when do you know it's a good time to like go of an idea like that you've taken it as far as it's going to go okay so i'll answer the first one um i come up with ideas all the time mm -hmm. and some of them are like oh my god that sounds so good let's 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 go that I'll put it in my journal okay. and then I'll park it because, and, and if something keeps on coming up about that idea, I'll just make the notes underneath that so that I can revisit it when I can really pour my time into it. Mm -hmm. But if I, cause I know myself that if I am working on something and then I tear myself to go towards something else, I will lose all the momentum I'm doing on yeah. the current. And then I'll beat myself up about it because there's no there's nothing I can do on the new idea effectively until I am concrete in the present one that I'm working on so it's a challenge in in a way for me as well because I've got the three photography businesses mm -hmm. but I schedule the time accordingly um, and now I'm learning through um, a recent course that I took with a coach that I'm considering to base it on seasons so okay. school photography has its season. Focus, focus, focus. The Uganda stuff has its seasons. Focus, focus. So I can shift my focus where it's mm -hmm. needed, but then still keep on working on them um, individually by scheduling the time. Because earlier I'd be like, have a master list. I get it done, and then I still feel not like that hadn't accomplished anything yeah. there was no overall plan now i plan everything and then i feel that i'm i'm able to maximize the time that i'm working while reaching the overall goals that i have um and so i'll always journal my ideas and then i'll always make the notes and then i'll come back to them mm -hmm. and sometimes i'll look back and i'll say that was just garbage and i'll toss it <laughs> Yeah, because it was like some of those are like, what the hell was I thinking? There's nothing here. Yeah. Yeah, and then when you're carrying out an idea and it's like has hit that wall, because sometimes it's like, like this is another thing that I struggle with. It's like there, there's always going to be a period where you hit like some resistance and there's like a dip and you need to like push through to get to the other side. Or it's like a, a, a brick wall and you're not going to break through and it's time to abandon. And like, what's the subtle difference there? Like, when do you like... I'm still learning that. Okay. But I find that when I'm hitting resistance, um, it's because something's not working. Hmm. Something I can't see myself is not working. 
So then I go back and I reach out to people in the photography um, arena that I've been very fortunate to make good friends with or a coach or somebody who I want to emulate. And I'll reach out to them and I'll say, look, I'm having this issue. How the hell do I get around it? What do I do? How do I pivot? And somebody once told me, when you hit that, back off. Just leave it for a little while. Don't keep pushing down the door because the more you push, the more resistance you're going to have. And I think that's with anything. But when I give it space that it needs, it helps me to reset inside, reset my brain, reset my thoughts, reset my momentum. And then when I go back at it, it's almost like the door was opened because I can see a different way through. That's all the questions I have. <laughs> okay, awesome. Drop me a line and let me know your takeaways from this episode. Sound mixing and music by Phil Creamer. Broadcasting out from the Image Salon studio in Montreal, Quebec. <laughs>